This is Money View Week. We'll be discussing Scotland and Alibaba after this. You've got to make sure your family and finances are legally protected. So where do you turn for legal help you can trust? LegalZoom.com. For over 13 years, they've been helping Americans with LLCs, incorporation, wills, trusts, and more. LegalZoom makes it painless. You can always reach out to them with questions, and they'll talk you through the process. You can get legal help through independent attorneys and self-help services at your direction, but they're not a law firm. For special savings, be sure to enter code WSJ in the referral box at LegalZoom.com. Hello, and welcome to Money Beat Week. This is Steve Grosser with Eric Holm, Paul Vigna, Telestimos, and a special guest, Philippa Leighton-Jones from London. She's here to sort of break down uh, the referendum vote that we're going to have in Scotland. Is Scotland going to be an independent country? And we promise you, before we get started, we're going to try to cut down on the Scottish accents. Um, no, we're not. <laughs> and so I married an axe murderer uh, lines. Uh, Don't cry yourself to sleep <laughs> on your huge pillar. I'm wearing brogues. Does that count? <laughs> See what you walked into, Philip? I feel bad. You know. Okay. Philippa, try to be the voice of reason. Yeah, yeah. She she usually is. So I mean, the big the big question we have is, you know, first and foremost, what's going to happen to the flag? Well, this is obviously it's the most important issue. Clearly, it's a national identity tied up in this. So the flag, as it currently stands, is like it's 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 the Christian crosses of all the kind of union nations of of Great Britain. Now, what happens if you take out Scotland is you lose the vital blue and white components of that. So that has to go. This is if if we change the flag, right? And there's not it's not a sort of done deal that we need to change the flag. Uh, we've got a flag institute. They said they'll consult, consult the public on what they want um, to do, but they think that, that 65% of people in the UK actually would want a new flag. And now uh, this is important. There's wow. a crucial element missing, which is Wales, which is not, this is, this is a small uh, principality, part of the United Kingdom. And Sorry, from? I never heard, what? Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, full disclosure, I'm Welsh, so there's a bit of a vested interest here. So this has this flag is a it's a white and green flag with a big red dragon on it. And so it's not exactly easy to incorporate on the current flag, but uh, this flag institute thinks 71% of people will want Wales represented on that flag. So we could see a United Kingdom flag or a, a, a what's left of the United Kingdom flag with that red dragon on it. It's completely undecided, and some of the designs are, are pretty out there. Um, there. There are some with the royal coat of arms on them, which, of course, might not go down brilliantly with the Republicans. So it's, it's you know, it's... One of the many, many details that just, you know, it's been thought about, but there's absolutely no decision on this. Like, like there are, you know, there, there aren't decisions on bigger things like what currency Scotland will use, for example, yeah. who will regulate its financial market. So, so it's kind of, I don't know, it's just like, it's like everybody's sort of come to this a little bit late. It's, which is bizarre, right? Because this has been on the cards for years and it's just like everyone came off their summer holidays and thought, oh, we better start asking questions about that. And, you know, that includes some pretty sensible people and, and, you know, not least the financial markets who kind of were discounting this as a possibility. How much? Until like last Sunday and, and suddenly this poll came out and on, on Sunday night and everyone went, oh my gosh, you know, this thing could actually happen. Um, and it's the first time that the specter of independence was really raised in a kind of meaningful way. What does this mean, I mean, essentially to uh, the UK, um, you know, and its economy as it, you know, it tries to recover from 
you know, it, it's, it's, it's still in the same place the U.S. is. It's in a precarious recovery. Well, yeah. That, I mean, that's kind of the point of this is the re- I mean, the, the, the reason this is taking such this is making such an impact on the on the markets this week is is really the uncertainty more than anything that anyone can put their finger on. It's like no one can really point at anything that's going to really bad that's going to happen. But there's just a huge degree of uncertainty, not least because no one thought about this. So um, I mean, there are there have been estimates on what this is going to do to the UK's GDP, how much this is going to kind of swipe off GDP. These, the, 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 the figures don't look huge. It doesn't look like it's going to make a huge impact. Um, investors do think that it's going to push out those rate hikes. So the consensus was for first quarter next year, and it looks like they've been pushed for about six months in the event of independence. But of course, you know, there's also the event of non-independence. If, if the UK stays together, there's still, there's still questions about stability, about Scotland's commitment to the union, about, you know, is this kind of, are there going to be tensions? Are there going to be big concessions needed to be made to Scotland, which is the, the politicians are, are promising at the moment? And, you know, how is that going to affect the UK's growth? So there are big questions about that. And, you know, answers seem to be not very forthcoming, but there's an awful lot of guesswork going on. And so, so I, also, like, after 300 years, I mean, why now? Well, it's, I mean, the Scottish Independence Party, the, the Independence Camp, they have a pretty good argument. They have a pretty persuasive argument, let's say. Um, so they're basically pointing at the... Scotland has oil, right? We have North Sea oil. Currently, all of that oil is about 700,000 barrels a day. It gets... Uh, it, it, the, the proceeds of that get shared with the rest of the UK. And Scotland says... Scotland's First Minister, so Alex Salmond, who's leading this campaign... He says that, the, that Scotland can be a rich country like Norway, and that's kind of his sort of favorite cited example. Uh, they can keep the oil wealth. They can uh, prosper by themselves. You know, they, they don't need to filter all those proceeds back to London. They can have tax-raising powers, and they're all an already devolved government. So they kind of already have lawmaking powers, and they do various things independently with regards to education and, and various other things. So he has a persuasive argument. The problem with the argument is it doesn't stack up terribly well. I mean, that's sort of, if you sort of strip the figures down, look at the oil revenue, it's been falling for a very long time. Look at the, can it really stand up against Norway? Well, it looks like probably not. I mean, Norway has got this massive sovereign wealth fund, which he's citing as a possibility for Scotland, but it's been building it since the 1990s. And oil revenues across the North Sea and, and Norway were kind of, were, were in great shape back then, and they're not now. So, and there are questions. I mean, the shale is fracking. What are they going to do with, you know, a sort of untapped reserves? Yes, there, is, there, are, there are things that can be done with that, but it's not immediately evident what those things are. And then, and, and, and so, you know, he's doing this campaign, and, and a lot of the sort of, a lot of the arguments for the, for the pro-union camp are based on facts, figures, um, and, and nitty-gritty things like a currency union, which a lot of people don't necessarily kind of immediately get to grips with if they're, if they're kind of voting with their hearts. They don't quite understand if, you know, well, Scotland can keep the pound, but it can't necessarily keep a, cur- a currency union because the UK politicians have said, well, hang on, guys, that's not on. And, yeah. and, and uh, you know, there's a, there's a justifiable argument for that because we're kind of seeing the Eurozone have all kinds of problems with a currency union where there's no political union. And, um, and, and you know, Scotland's running the risk of, of trying to push the same thing through. So, 
What would happen to Scotland in the Eurozone, too? I mean, in its relationship with the Eurozone? Because, I mean, obviously the UK isn't in the Euro, but is part of the EU. It's part of the EU now, and it, so it will remain part of the EU until the independence, if it votes yes, until that actually comes into effect. So that looks like 18 months down the line. Now, it thinks it can, it can uh, come to some kind of arrangement with the European Union um, before that time. Um, and so there'll be a kind of seamless transition. At least that's what the pro-independence camp are saying. But... Ollie Wren, who's former sort of economics chief, has said, look, you cannot do this unless you have a central bank. And the UK politicians have said, David Cameron said, you can't use the UK central bank. So Scotland's kind of trying to enter the European Union without a central bank, without a currency union. And so they're kind of in this tricky situation where they're, you know, the details, there are so many details to hammer out, um, and it looks like the fundamentals are not really where they need to be for them to enter the EU. Obviously, they'll try. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's the kind of end game for them, is they would like to be in the European Union. They said they'd like to be part of NATO. You know, will they be part of OPEC? It's, it's you know, there are just a huge number of unanswered here. What, now, the vote comes down on Thursday. Um, yeah. What's your gut right now? I'm going to go with a very narrow no. Um, there's been, I mean, the latest polls, the polls are like super, super, super close to call. Um, they're like resting on a knife edge. They, the latest ones are like 52% in the no camp and 40, 48% in the yes camp, but they're sort of extracting, um, you know, undecided. So it could really tip anyway. Um, I, you know, the, the, the big thing that's happened is businesses have stepped up the kind of pro-union rhetoric. And so you've seen RBS, Lloyds, Clydesdale, a whole load of, of banks and other businesses saying, we can't stay in Scotland because there are too many uncertainties. All the things we've just talked about, no currency, no financial regulator, no, no central bank. We can't stay there. Uh, so we will need to move south of the border. I think that might get the voters concerned about jobs, economic prospects. It's sort of, it can't fail to do that, that they start wondering, you know, where are our jobs going to go? And there's no suggestion that moving these, these companies south will necessarily affect jobs, but the kind of message will be broadly understood that it will affect economic activity there. So I'm going to go with a very, very narrow no. Um, well, Philippa, you're leaving out the, uh, the, the, the other factor that uh, entered into the equation this week, which is um, the new royal baby. Well, does the new royal baby sway things? There was actually, <laughs> I did, I, I called, a, I called the betting companies just as soon as that baby was, uh, was announced. The timing was immaculate, by the way. I mean, it's just like the YouGov poll on Sunday night came out saying that the Yes Camp was in front, and then Kate and Will announced that they are expecting a baby, which is obviously great news. Um, there was a very narrow change. Um, it, the Paddy Power, the bookmaker, said that it was slightly swayed in, in, uh, towards the no camp as soon as that baby news came out, but there was a whole load of other news that came out at the same time that could have affected it. So I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, there are royalists and non-royalists in this country, and so will it sway things? I don't think it's going to have a big impact, unfortunately. I was just wow. hoping for a laugh. Holm, you were really you, you were really <laughs> high on the fact that you thought maybe the the baby could sway things, could change things. Well, because 
I thought that's what Philippa thought at the you time. Wanna, it's a classic you always, move, you always right? Look to the children, when you bring right? a baby, so, you can't leave after that. Right, right. you got to yeah. stick around. Yeah. That's the thing. The baby's not born yet. That's the problem. If the baby were here and looking cute, you know, then maybe they'd be thinking pro union is the way to go. But uh, it's just it's uh, there's a little bit of a time lag there. So she 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 hasn't worked hard enough, fast enough. I'm afraid. <laughs> so uh, finally, before we let you go, do, what are you sort of expecting from you know the markets uh, you know next week? As we lead into this vote, I mean, it, you know, it, we saw when the polls came out last week that, you know, it weighed on the pound. I mean, are yeah. we going to see that happen again uh, you know, or any volatility in the pound this week? Yeah, well, I mean, pound has really been the punch bag here. Um, it's uh, it's back up again today on this latest poll that says the no camp slightly leading. It's very, I mean, it's sold off heavily, as you say, since Sunday. Um, so that volatility is going to continue. I mean, the sort of the vol charts are showing that there's sort of huge uncertainty around this. That's going to continue into next week. Gilts look like they are, I mean, they're selling off a little bit, but not much. And the city looks kind of broadly fine. So I think next week there's going to be a kind of, I feel like there's going to be a kind of calm before the storm. And um, what you're going to see is everyone's going to be just waiting on tenterhooks. And then Friday morning, which is when we get this, the results of this vote, we're going to start seeing some real movement. And I think we'll see some movement either way, to be honest, because I think there'll just be this kind of, they'll, there might be a relief rally and then there might still be this kind of, okay, but what, what happens next? The things we talked about, like, you know, what does this, what concessions does this mean for, uh, for Scotland from London if, in the event of a no vote? And what does it mean? Mean, you know, if there's a yes, but obviously it's just going to go haywire. So, um, uh, you know, watch this space. It's 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 going to be a busy Friday. Well, I, thank you for joining us. It was wonderful to have you on your first thank time you. on the show. Um, I you. guess we'll turn to Telestimos and are the other we, special guests. Can I say something about you know, Scotland? Go, go. Uh, I think actually, I think this is a very interesting thing. I think people have to keep an eye on this for, for this reason. This this is a a, about a little bit more than just Scotland and its independence. And I think you obviously have people in Spain watching it because they have a region that is looking to to cede I also uh, Catalonia. You know, you have I, – I think you're at a point in the world in the development of, of East and West and the development of the nation state where – and technology especially is creating a situation where you do not necessarily need the kind of a nation state that we have always had – to, to have a, a viable small community, to have an, economic, uh, an economically viable community. I think you are seeing that. I don't know which way Scotland's going to go and whether they're going to so vote yes or no. you're saying they're going to have no. a Bitcoin central bank? Is that uh, – Listen, man. Well, I don't – No, but I'm funded saying – I mean, it's easy. They, no, they may it, be a bit of an exception. It, it, listen, it, and like well, Philippa said, and she was right, I mean, they may do it and it may not work, but they may do it and it may work. And if they do it and it does work – you're going to see this idea brought up in other places. The vast majority of, I think, economists and people who have looked at this, and this goes for Catalonia, this goes for Quebec, this goes for Scotland, um, do not see this working. No. Um, the countries do not have the GDP 
to really stand. And I mean, in, in, and, in and some and ways, it also, you know, you're saying, you know, Scotland independence, Catalonia, it also flies in the face of things like, you know, the EU, which is sort of trying, I mean, it's had its own struggles lately because of yeah, structural, real, it is real stru- but it has structural problems. But I mean, there were, you know, there are benefits also yes. creating and, and, I'm and not, NAFTA and, you know, like yeah, people I'm not co- saying creating bigger I'm not, Listen, and not I'm smaller. not saying it's going to work. I'm saying you need to keep an eye on this well, because, what, yeah, listen, they may, not even, vote, I mean, I, they may I, not even vote Paul, for it. I mean, I view this as like just the long historical trend of, you know, what we've seen, you know, throughout history of, you know, you know, you know, sections of countries and stuff like that always wanting their independence. I mean, we have Montana and Wyoming who have had secession yeah. votes. We've had Staten Island not want to be part of New York City. I mean, this is sort of and like, New York City like, not want to be part of Staten Island. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I mean, this has been a long nobody wants nobody wants Staten Island. But I mean, what what is always surprising to me is in the in all of this is how you know people are willing to cut off their best interests for you know sort of the sort well, of notion well, that's, of independence. That's the their question. Economic is it still best their Best interest. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, most people. I mean, I think all I'm saying uh, it'll be interesting people, to see. You know, who are looking at this view, this would not go well for Scotland. I do agree with Grosser that I think over the long arc of history, you are seeing us all come together ultimately to as a global institution to yeah. fight the machines now when you they could. rise up to attack us. <laughs> but you could. I mean, like you could see where there is economic sort of you know coming together, but like politically, you know. Country sort of like it's sort of you know kind of what the EU is doing and stuff like that. Although that has had its own you know problems. Um, all I'm saying is I think it's very interesting, and I think we should all keep an eye on how it goes for more than just what it means for the Scots. That's all and, I'm saying. And, 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 That's all I'm know, saying. No, no, you're right. I mean, because there there are plenty of countries around the world. I mean, you know, Quebec. I mean, you know, that was a razor thin margin in 1995 that you know Quebec stayed part of Canada. Um, who's to say that, you know, they see Scotland, they don't gain a certain amount of, like, you know, that the idea of Quebec separating from Canada doesn't become popular again. It's still very, it has a lot of support in Quebec still to this day. Um, But let's move on to the other big story next week. Um, And we're going to have, this is going to be in quick succession. Thursday we have the vote on Scotland. And then Friday, Thursday night, Alibaba, what is set to be the biggest IPO in history, Interestingly, they're also talking about adding a dragon to the U.S. flag. uh, After after, after the that would make it a lot cooler. (laughs) At least the the New York Stock Exchange flag, right? That's oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be like Chinese New Year out there on that day. (laughs) They'll be trotting out all sorts of Chinese stereotypes. Um, That's right. What's what's the latest on this? So, so the latest is is. Get your orders in. Uh, Alibaba, the banks have uh, told their sales force to tell their clients that uh, as of Tuesday, if you're in the U.S., you can't put in a new order for any stock. They've got enough. Uh, The same thing happens then on Wednesday for European and Asian investors. Um, This doesn't necessarily – I wouldn't take this immediately as a signal that, oh, my God, this deal is going to pop enormously afterwards. It's more that, uh, you know – it reflects the fact that people really want to get in uh, on this thing, maybe because they want to flip it, maybe because they want to hold it. But the point is, is that the the big accounts have called up already and said, look, we want X amount of stock. And chances are, if they follow the usual playbook, they're saying, I want, you know, $10 billion worth of stock when really they know they might just get $1 billion, uh, or, you know, small, they might say a billion, knowing they'll get $200 million. 
Um, so what the bankers now have to do is they have to sit down and say, look, how much of what's in the book is just hype and froth and just people trying to make it look like they're a big player and throwing out a big number in order to make us think that they want to take down a big amount of this deal versus how many people really want to hold this amount and will hang with it, even if the stock is volatile in the first few weeks, right? And I mean volatile on the upside and the downside, because the problem is, is that if the stock goes up a ton, right? If you bought the stock at, say, 66, it goes up to 80 or 100 or something, God forbid, you might say, look, that was my three-year scenario for this stock. I thought it might go up that much. So I'm done. I'm out. I'll turn this thing over to retail or a hedge fund and let them deal with what happens after 100, right? So so the, 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 it's, it's a tricky game. It's a tricky game. You, you, you want to you know, you want to acknowledge to the market that demand is strong and demand is high and price high, and you maybe want to weed some some weaker hands out by pricing it a little higher. But on the other hand, you know, you don't want to kind of just buy into the frenzy because then you're setting yourself up to be this pinata, you know, this this GoPro style pinata. I mean, I think that's a great example of what. I mean, obviously, it's a completely different deal on a completely different scale. But there's an example of a deal where, you know, they sort of. Uh, you know, they they raised the range, they priced above the range, everything seemed to go so great, it popped a bunch on the first day, and then it was just chaos from there out, because the book became a mess. Probably whoever bought it at the beginning, thinking, oh, this is a decent stock, I'm sure has long since cashed out of it. So, you know, versus if you look at a Twitter, you know, Twitter didn't do so well initially, but did very well in the long term. So it's it's a it's a very complicated kind of more art than science type of thing that's going on right now, where you know, they're trying to, on the one hand, they're still going around the world, trying to get orders and talking to people in Asia and Europe and stuff. But on the other hand, trying to send a signal like, look, like, tell us what you really want, because we want to get this thing done. So it, it, it'll be uh, the, the fly on the wall aspects of this will be much more interesting than I think what we actually see. Now, one aspect is like how much like you look at you have to sort of compare Alibaba to Facebook because that was the last. IPO of like even close to the same size, you know, 16 versus what could be 24 uh, billion raised. Um, Are we going to see in the final week, are we going to see a price increase? Are we going to see them, you know, more insiders selling? Are we going to see any, you know, and and then increase the number of shares they're selling? That's a great question. One thing I don't think we'll see is more insider selling. I think if the price starts to go up, I think that just makes the insiders happier to sort of be hanging in there because they want to sort of ride this rocket ship for a little while longer. A lot of the people that have been in the stock, it's it's different from like your typical sort of venture-backed company where these were like early stage guys who made their nut years ago and just kind of want to get out and move on. They've got to close their fund and send money back to investors. You know, we're talking about people that are at least, if not long-term money, sort of medium-term money. Um, they might have come into the game pretty late, maybe only two or three years ago. I'm talking like the Silver Lakes and General Atlantics and people like that. You know, they might maybe want to take a little bit of money off the table, but I don't think that we'll see big insider selling. Certainly, I don't think we'll see management selling. I think that sends the wrong signal from them. Yahoo doesn't want to sell because this is the most tax inefficient way for them to get rid of their stake. SoftBank is committed mm-hmm. to the long term, so uh, or at least SoftBank's not selling anything. So I don't think we'll see that. So I, maybe the size of the deal will go up. That would probably be Alibaba itself selling more stock. That's certainly a possibility. That's kind of like a neutral way of sort of expanding the deal. You don't necessarily raise the price, but you say, okay, we'll let a few people a few more people run into the barn before we shut the door. That's sort of the strategy there. Whether they raise the price, that is a little trickier, uh, like like I was just talking about. Uh, on the one hand, you don't want to uh, sort of overplay your hand 
and maybe, you know, kind of knock out a couple of your really core people who might think, I love it at 66. I don't know if I like it quite as much at 68. Um, but on the other hand, you know, you want to try and play traffic cop a little bit. And if the market is just saying higher, 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 then you're, you'd be stupid not to at least take a bit advantage of a little bit of it. Um, or the company might just decide, let the thing go crazy. We'll price it within the range. Let's not push it. Let's not chance it. And if it goes up, Thirty percent on the first day, so be it. You know, let's let's just let's just let let this thing float, and whoever actually bought the stock on the first day will love us because they saw a thirty percent return. That's pretty darn good. So, that's you know, the, those are the calculuses right now. Is there any sense that th- this represents some kind of sea change in the way the markets work? I mean, not only is this a gigantic deal, but this is a gigantic company from China listing in the U.S. I mean, I know we've had Chinese companies list here before, but certainly nothing on this scale. Is is there any sense among the people you talk to that they're involved in something that is historic, not just for the, the dollars attached to it? I absolutely think that, that Alibaba represents a new phase in kind of the idea of kind of a global Chinese company. I, I mean, thus far, you've got a couple of companies that are sort of in the same class as kind of your U.S. Internet companies, you know, maybe a Baidu, um, a, a Weibo, a so, Sohu, um, or a Sina, rather. But, um, you know, n- none of them really on the scale or, or with the sort of the, the kind of internationalized sort of perspective that, that Alibaba does. And I, I don't even mean so much in Alibaba's business. I think they're still very focused on China. I, don't, I think for all the hullabaloo about like, oh, maybe they'll buy Snapchat, I think they still look at China and they say, look, there's, you know, there's you know, billion more than half, half a billion people. people who don't even use the internet. And that's, right and that's, what, so, and that's what Jack Ma, the chairman, and that's what, what has, was saying on the roadshow yeah, very clearly. Yeah. Like, we're still focused on China. So, so I, I think it's – so on the one hand, you've got the sort of the most – and you know, if you look at the people they brought in to do this, do this deal, the bankers that, that they've been close to all along have been kind of U.S. bankers. Um, the types of people they brought into this, you know, Joe Tsai, the the former CFO, now executive vice chairman, is a Yale educated. You know, he worked at I, th- I want to say Simpson Thatcher, but like big white shoe U.S. law firm. So that's really where he cut his teeth. Although he was uh, b- born um, in in Taiwan, and you know, and then they brought in kind of you know, uh, uh, they brought in the IR head from Google. Um, you know, they've 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 really surrounded themselves with like kind of you know people who are used to running this type of business in the U.S. So I think in that respect, you know, it, it, it really surpasses anything else we've seen from any other Chinese company. Um, however, on the other hand, I do think that, that the fact that, that Jack Ma, you know, still is about China, and he tried to list this company in China. Let's not forget that, that this wasn't supposed to be Alibaba's big New York debut. This was supposed to be, I think if they had their druthers, this would be their big Shanghai IPO. Hmm. Uh if that you know the rules prevent that in China, and they weren't going to change that in time, so they went to Hong Kong. Hong Kong made this, I don't you know, decision that they wanted to stick up for their principles of one share, one vote. So they said no, and so it came to New York. So, but I think I think they still see this as a Chinese company, and I think what it what it really represents is is sort of the 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 moment when people in the U.S. woke up and said, okay, I don't really care what this Chinese company means for the U.S. I don't, I'm not worried about when they're going to you know make a big splash over here i just want to know what's going on over there i want you know so so uh, ma- maybe well, it's, actually, it's, it's it's when the, the landscape tilts a little bit and people say uh you know i just want to 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 be in china participate well, in china. well that, this is actually the question i was going to ask you about and, and, and more how much of this is actually like spin in terms of jack ma being focused on 
uh, China. Wait, wait, wait. wait, Like, let let me raise the point. Like, if you're on an IPO roadshow and you're selling this company, the big selling point that Alibaba has is it's the biggest retailer in you know the the biggest country by population, right? Right. I mean, that's essentially what they're pitching, and they want to like focus because that's like if you're going in to the American investor, you're going into like you know investors overseas. Investors are looking at Alibaba as a way to tap into China's growth. And as you know, China gets more and more people, you know, more and more as the rise of the Chinese consumer takes place, they're going to, Alibaba is the best position to take place in this. However, on the other hand, you also have a company that spent what close to $6.5 billion in making acquisitions in the US and overseas. I think that there's certainly, look, I don't think that Alibaba doesn't have some sort of global ambition. I think that they also are looking widely for the best technologies. I think that, you know, their acquisitions in the U.S. haven't been so much about buying U.S. customers as it is buying some U.S. IP and some ideas. You know, they they, they took a stake in Kabam, uh, which is like a gaming company. Uh, I don't think it's because they want to necessarily sell games to Americans, but they just want to be better at learning how to create kind of mobile traffic and interest. Um they, uh, you know, the, like I said, they they kind of looked at Snapchat. They they passed, but I think that's indicative of their thinking. Like, okay, and and you know, Snapchat's audience is global, right? I mean, that's not that that's not a U.S. play necessarily. Now, if they were talking about buying eBay uh, or Etsy or something, that might be a, a different kind of animal. You know, that's them just sort of buying U.S. customers. But I don't think that. And so, could they so, buy eBay? Um, Do they have that kind of? Muscle? I don't know what's what's eBay's market cap. Do you I guys don't know right cap? now. I don't know. Maybe. Um, so I mean, if it was a share deal, once they go public, yeah. yeah I mean, who knows? Be, um, that would be very interesting. That would, that would be very. That would be extremely we're just, interesting. Uh, making this up, though, we should say. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're not. Yeah. This up. Well, that, that's the only reason I, I you mentioned eBay. I just Anything's think, possible. Well, so yeah. I, I know you don't mean it like that's been talked about. Yeah, right? but I mean, but right, but I mean, right, that right, would right. be that would be right. It's it's almost like like a bank buying another bank. You just want yeah. the deposits. I mean, that would sort of be the idea there, right? They're not really so, buying a different kind of business. They're just buying an right. audience. So and that's gonna, not what they've been doing. They're going to have a lot of cash after this IPO. Yeah. Yes. What are they going to do with it? That is a have good question because sense? I think when, when I first started writing about this deal, I think I, I, I thought about it in terms of, okay, well, what will, you know, who in the U.S. are they eyeing with that $10 billion? Um, but I've, I've been more or less convinced that, that that's, that's not the way that they kind of see their next couple of years. So what does it mean they're going to do with that in China? I'm not sure exactly. I think that, well, they have a couple of things on the horizon. And one of them is this question of what will happen with Alipay. Alipay is the payments arm that they spun off in 2011. The sort of conspiracy-minded person says that it happened because Jack Ma wanted to steal away the best part of the business and keep it for himself and his cronies, um, which, uh, you know... uh, is one thing out there. The other thing people say is that, well, they had to do it because the Chinese government said, well, we don't want you, Alibaba, being a foreign entity and having foreign shareholders. We don't want those people owning a piece of China's essentially financial a, infrastructure. Essentially a foreign Right. They, they don't want it owning the equivalent of, of PayPal well, for, for China, right? Well, and so, well, I will say this, though. I mean, on, during the roadshow, as you've reported, investors were incredibly unsatisfied with Jack Ma's you know, answer to you know, explaining why he spun off Alipay. Well, I, you know, it's it's interesting. S- since since then, I, I've talked to some people, and you know, one guy I talked to today said it might not said, change their view on getting into the IPO. But well, that's not, right. They're so, not happy. So there's there's two things there, right? On the one hand, on like does Jack Ma seem credible? And I feel like opinion is split about that. Some people, you know, 
I talked to one guy just, just you know, uh, half an hour ago who said, I found it very credible. The man seems a man of integrity. He said it was the hmm. toughest decision he'd ever made, you know, and I believed him, right? I've talked to other people who who said, well, I, I don't trust him as far as, as I could throw him. And he's actually not that big of a person. So <laughs> um, maybe, maybe they were saying the opposite. But, um, you know, and and they, they do see it as, as a big risk. But, like you said, they see the dollar signs, right? Like they think, okay, this, this is a rocket ship taking off. Maybe the landing gear isn't so great, but the engines certainly are big. So I'm going to see how far this can take me and then hopefully engineer a soft landing if things go wrong. So I think that's the way probably if a lot of people look themselves in the eye, that that, that's the, that, that would be their answer to that question <laughs> about those those things. So anyway, but but as far as what they're going to do with the money, you know, they've they've said that they will have sort of an option to buy Alipay should the Chinese government let them do that uh, over the next couple of years. And, you know, Jack Ma, another thing he said on the roadshow, which to some people's ears might sound scary, to other people's might sound great, that he's going to spend a lot of time on government relations and making sure that he stays friendly with Beijing. <laughs> and so that means that, you know, maybe he'll convince them to say, look, like you guys, y- you you don't get it, like... You know, don't don't think of it in terms of foreigners owning Alipay. Think of it in terms of Alipay and Alibaba turning into this behemoth that's going to be sort of China's great, you know, symbol to the world and all that. You know, so who knows what that conversation but is like? But, question, but that's the, I think that's one big thing they could do with that money. I want to go back to this. You know, you know, and we probably should wrap it up here shortly. But back to the idea that he said, "I'm going to focus on government relations. This is what my, you know. I'm going to be mainly focused." And on. he volunteered that. Somebody asked no, him, no, "What are you going to be spending right. your time doing?" And that was the first thing he said. Right. What I find, why, why, why? I guess is the answer. I mean, you would never really expect, you know, you know, when Twitter, you know, was going public or Facebook, you know, that Mark Zuckerberg would, have, you know, come out and said, "I'm going to spend the next couple of years on focus on government." Maybe relations. they should have, though, right? I mean, if 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 I'm Facebook, what are what are some of my biggest risks? And one of them is that there's some privacy law that like totally changes the game for me. So right, well, that, that, and that gets to my point. You wouldn't, but you would, like the investors would not have expected that, and they probably wouldn't want that. The question I, I, I have is what there, but there are risks to foreign investors in you know the with uh, in, in relation to the Chinese government and mm-hmm. if they decide to crack down on foreign ownership. Still, is that not correct? Absolutely, absolutely. No, the the VIE structure on which and and to be fair to Alibaba, not I think only about like twelve percent of their revenue comes through what are known as VIEs. VIEs are entities that Chinese citizens own that are connected to a foreign company so like actually most ip most chinese stocks that you buy here are structured that way that they might be incorporated in hong kong or the u.s or the caymans or something but they have chinese assets that can't be owned by foreigners so basically like the ceo in or in this case jack ma owns that business and then has a contractual relationship with the overseas company that is the the structure that the lawyers have come up with to sort of make allow foreign investors to access China. Beijing has never actually sort of said that's cool with us. They've never said it isn't, but they've never said that is cool with us. So if whatever reason the the winds blow differently and there just has to be a crackdown on that, you know, you would have problems potentially getting, um, you know, if if there was a bankruptcy or some other dispute where you wanted to get your, as an investor, you wanted to get your hands on those assets, that might prove very difficult. So I I absolutely think that's a risk in owning this company. And I know, you know, I was talking to a a business professor the other day about his valuation model, and he said he wouldn't invest in the business for that reason. Um, You know, uh, so I definitely think that's a concern. But I think as far as, you know, what you were saying, yeah, if if, um, 
you know, if uh, uh, Dick Costolo or, or, or Mark Zuckerberg had gone on the road show and said, my top priority is government relations, I think that would have sounded weird to Americans. Uh, and Not I also don't think it's what people want to hear. Right. And I don't want to get on and, the and let, Government I mean, relationships are very important to all. Of course. So, so I don't want to just be – I don't want to be kind of um, – you know, uh, to, to look at these through American eyes and just say, oh, well, you know, it's because the government in China matters, whereas in the U.S. we have a wonderful laissez-faire system, right? Uh, like, it, it it matters everywhere. No, to, Google to and Facebook fair. have plenty of, uh, you know... And, uh, and they've spent yes, a ton yeah, of, yeah, money of money on yeah, lobbying yeah, and lobbying, stuff, so let's, yes. let's not pretend. Right, but right. I, I think, honestly, that's kind of what a lot of investors probably want to hear from Jack Ma, because they, they you know, I think... There's a lot of there's a lot more just sort of uncertainty well, about you know different gut kinds of governments. and and, and let's let's too, also right? not paper over the fact that yes we are yeah. talking about differences very in the different kinds of with governments the transparency and yes. the access and things like that are totally different yeah. so uh, you know if I were an investor if if I were going to take a big stake in Alibaba I would certainly want to know yeah. that I they've mean, got you, a line to Beijing you, you you lose favor with DC you know maybe they'll tax you a little harder yeah you uh-huh. lose favor with Beijing. You might disappear over. Yeah, there's no. You can't stuff your the, the you know the, the the other party's pockets with money and hope to get a new president right. or a new Congress elected. You know the the way that right. the way the way great. that we do it wonderfully here. In the <laughs> United States, you know? it, it doesn't really happen like that. Tell us. It's, yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's, they're you know just showing support. Sorry to be. Cynical, they're just showing Paul. support. You know what I'm stunned yeah. by though when you're describing that uncertainty, um, which sounds like something people should be uncertain about. This this will become one of the top holdings in some of the biggest, you know, U.S. funds. Yeah. Overnight. Yeah. I think I think That's it crazy. adds. We're all, we we're used to talking about China risk in terms of like what if there's a you know monetary policy shift and all of a sudden China tightens credit and that means that commodity prices start to fall and things. Like that. I mean, we're every, we all talk about China risk all the time, but the, I think that this this is a new type of China risk that will find its way into a lot of people's portfolios uh, kind of sneakily, um, which is sort of like kind of, you know, internal Chinese politics risk and sort of China internal competition risk, right? Like, I don't think people think about, you know, whether, uh, you know, if, if you own a stake in, you know, one state bank, you're probably not thinking that much about how they're doing versus the other state bank because you figure they've all got, sort of got their, you know, sandboxes and these guys operate in this tier and that tier of cities. But with Alibaba, now you've got you've got a new type of risk in sort of Chinese regulatory risk, right? That that's something that I think is a new part of people's portfolios. And if they succeed in convincing people that that they should own it in their global consumer in their global internet portfolios, you know, you might not even know you've got that risk uh, in your portfolio. And then uh, it also introduces a Chinese competition risk, right? What is Alibaba doing versus uh, Baidu? What are they doing versus Tencent? What are they doing versus JD.com? I mean, it's it's on the one hand, it's kind of exciting that maybe now investors will have to think more about, you know, less about China as this black box and more about like, okay, wh- wh- what is the Chinese consumer doing today? How are they shopping online through their mobile phones? Are they using their desktop? Or, But on the other hand, that introduces a whole kind of new uncertainty that, you know, you sitting at your desk in, in New York or Chicago or whatever, you know, don't have a lot of visibility into You know, the, the, the other interesting twist about this is going to be that you're now going to have a, a, a massive company listed in New York on the stock exchange that will not be in the Dow Jones, the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ. So it's 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 going to I don't know exactly how it'll all play out, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of individual investors versus index funds. You know, it, it'll just be interesting. I don't yeah, know if it'll be a I, huge change, a small change, but it'll be a, just an unusual arrangement. I think one of the question marks of, of this deal is still um, what will the retail interest be in the U.S.? Yeah. I mean, I think we, we've we're, we're sort of, you know, 
I think our our sense is that it's not it's nothing like it was for Facebook, but you know, uh, just given the media exposure this company's had over the last few days, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of people suddenly become very curious about about it. And and I think you know most Americans, at least like anecdotally, I feel like still think about this company in terms of oh, you know, why would I buy, you know, oh, yeah, I've bought something on Alibaba, or why would I buy from Alibaba when I can buy from Amazon? But, um, you know, uh, I mean, g- given the fact that, that you know, the stock market here has already gone up so much, I think people are looking for that alpha right. kind of potential. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to hear a few brokers start to pitch, by the way, there's this giant Chinese means- e-commerce company that you might want to add to your portfolio, and it's not in the index. So you're not even getting it in right. your right. ETF. So you got to go buy this stock. I mean, if I were a broker, mm-hmm. that's what I would be going out and pitching. Well, so, is that your salesman's right. voice? Tell us because it's, it's a little That's creepy. my salesman's <laughs> I thought it was very. Sarah. I thought it was very convincing. I want to go buy How are Alibaba. you and the missus doing today? <laughs> How's little Jimmy? Um, the question – that does raise the question though. You know, will – what – if they don't attract the retail investor, the mom and pop investor, will that – do you think that's going to impact its first day of trading? Um, to a degree. I mean, when you've got when you're floating twenty four billion dollars worth of stock, you need a lot of little buyers to add up to much of anything. So, you know, even even if it's the number three traded stock on Ameritrade, you know, on on that day, like, does that actually you know uh, move the needle for a stock that big? You know, versus like a GoPro, which floated two hundred million dollars, and so you don't need that many people kind of trading it to suddenly to get all this ton of action. So, I you know. I, I think that that you know certainly I think anybody who buys the the stock hoping to flip it is probably not thinking okay I'm going to sell it to retail they're probably thinking I'm going to sell it to some big mutual fund who didn't get their allocation and who wants this to be like a core kind of China or internet holding or whatever so I I per, my personal view is that retail will not play a large part in this deal one way or another and, uh, I think you're probably right. And about uh, that. With, with with such a big, also, you know, r- when you're raising that amount of money, I mean, how many, you know, are not going to get the allocation that they, you know, that they're asking for? Yeah, or they want. Well, and that's you know, and uh, um, um, uh, Nick Colas of uh, Convergex had a great note the other day, which we had him know, on the show this morning. Oh, he's terrific. Yeah. Um, uh, not that I endorse uh, individual uh, brokers, no, but it's, um, yeah, it's your professional opinion. Uh, he, you know, he made the point that like the the IPO banker's job is to create the illusion of scarcity, and so I think you know I think this whole thing about this note out to the sales force like the books are closed like, you know they're they're, I think that's all part of sending that message like you're not going to get the allocation you want so you know you better buy up now you better you better get ready to buy it in the aftermarket right. uh, this thing's gonna everyone's gonna be buying it so. You know, to an extent, I think that's part of the the the, the dumb show of, yeah. of, of wasn't when the, the, the reality the reality is it's like Springsteen doing well, twenty shows at Giant Stadium. Well, plenty right. of tickets for everybody. Right, no. right, right. But, but 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 they still say they go on sale at twelve oh one. Exactly. Right. Right. Uh, this is the number. <laughs> if you get a busy yeah. signal, you know, it's like that. Right. You, you want to create this sense that like there's this ah, yeah. crazy rush. Anyways, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. With with Facebook, um, you you saw the the allocation actually was like a lot of people were asking, can I get the you know over over asking, and when they got it, they were a little bit taken aback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the right. The, uh, is that a is that a risk here with Alibaba? Oh, absolutely. I think I think if 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 people put in big allocations and get them, uh, I think the same thing will happen, which will be that they'll they'll be surprised. 
that'll make them think, gee, it wasn't quite as scarce as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Who who didn't who pulled out? What happened here? And they'll think, huh, maybe I'll maybe instead of buying, I'll do a little selling in the morning and then and then the whole thing, you know, the 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 um Apple the wheels fall off the Apple cart. So uh I that's that's definitely I think the bankers are thinking we don't want to over allocate this thing. We don't want to send the signal that like the demand wasn't quite what right. it was. Especially when, when now they've they, they seem to be invested in the idea that like it's scarce, uh, you know Sunday, 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 buy now, you know, everything must go. Where did Sunday, Sunday, Sunday get into buy now? I don't know. Just Who was the my, first person that did so that? I, said it. I don't know. I, I was thinking that it's, it's the Munster Truck Show. Yeah. It's those old Come drag on the Munster commercials. Right, right. Sunday at the Worcester Central. Well, it's just the my idea of trying to drum up enthusiasm. Oh, you know. All right, Paul, yeah. can you say Sunday, Sunday, Sunday in a Scottish accent? Sunday. No, I can't. Actually, I just. I, I, I don't think we need to all try that. I think we can uh, wrap it up. We've gone pretty long. By the um, way, I mean, it, it, we all know it's Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Yeah. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> Pricing. Pricing. First day of trading. Monday, Monday. Friday. Friday? Um, Monster Truck <laughs> Show is, is Sunday. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is uh, Steve Grosser, Eric Holm, Telestimus, Paul Vigna, and the long-since-gone-home Philip Aladen-Jones. You've been listening to the Money Beat Podcast. Check the free WSJ Radio app for the latest in world news, stocks, technology, personal finance, and more. Download it for free on Amazon, Android, and Apple devices.